Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications a to play fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Here we go. We're back. For a second to last edition, I can't believe we're at that point of the season already. For the primetime recap, our waiver savers and our waiver, I'm sorry, my heroes and zeros and my waiver savers for week 16. That's right, we're going to put week 15 to bed, move on to the second round of the playoffs, which I hope, especially if you're watching this and you're part of MG Nation, you are all a part of your second round of the playoffs. I mean, we only have two more weeks left of shows. It's this week and next week, and then that's it. Because, like I've said before, we're not going to go full, you know, all the way through the year like we did last year. Last year, we didn't take a break. We at least did one episode a week. And it's not that we don't want to do that this year. It's because I'm going to be working on a lot of exciting stuff 
that will hopefully enhance MD Nation's ability with the more tools that I'm going to try to provide you guys to win even more and in more ways, not just in fantasy, but we're looking to, you know, reach out into the field of gambling and putting more of an emphasis on that. We had our Cashing Friday show where, you know, we focus on DFS, we, we focus on our lock picks of the week, and we have some player prop bets for you. But we want to give you a more encompassing view throughout the week to be able to win some money. So we're going to be looking to really expand what it is we do here at the MD's Fantasy Football Show. In order for me to do that, I need time to work on some things on the back end. So that's why we are taking a break this year. It's not because we're going away. It's not because the support hasn't been better than it ever has been from you, MD Nation, because it has been. This year has been fantastic. We went to the Fantasy Expo this year and really just launched a whole new fantastic season for us and opened up a whole lot of doors. And we're so happy for it with the support of you guys, our fans at MD Nation. What's it going to be allowing us to do is that now we just we got to get bigger. We got to get better. We got to get stronger. That's what the offseason is for. We actually need to have one in order to do that. So the plan for now is that we'll be back usually in March uh, when we kick off the free agency. We start doing one episode a week from then on. And, and that's the plan as of right now. The one thing I do know for sure, without any doubt, is that we'll have our draft episodes and, of course, the draft special, which is the first round and second, third round coverage with a focus on fantasy football implications and, of course, some betting picks, you know, as those drafts goes on so we can kind of cash some tickets while trying to nail what the fantasy value is going to be for some of these draft picks coming in during the show. Of course, we have a ton of guests, and it's, you know, it's over 55 guests, normally speaking, between the two shows, and we're, we're streaming it live all the way through the first round, all the way through the second and third round. We don't do Saturday yet. Maybe one day we'll be able to do Saturday as well. But right now, just the first three rounds, both Thursday and Friday. So I know for sure we're definitely doing that. We'll definitely have our episodes in April leading up to that point. Our quarterbacks, our running backs, our wide receivers, our tight ends, all of our, our fantasy implications. We'll talk about some linemen that we like too, of course. So it'll just be a matter of do we start in April or do we start at the free agency point in March. Regardless... One of the things that we are going to be doing a lot more of in the offseason is that while I may not have as many full episodes to throw at you guys per week, we are going to do a lot more videos, come a little bit more video-oriented in the meantime while we're working on some things on the back end. So make sure you follow us on YouTube and subscribe because we'll, have, we'll hit you guys in shorts. Make sure you follow us on TikTok at MD's FS Show, right? at MD's Fantasy Football on TikTok, at MDFF Show on Instagram, uh, you know, we'll be launching it on social media at Belly Up MDFM show there. So we're going to be all over the place. And we're still going to have content for you, but just might not be regular episodes until we get to March. So I just want to let you guys know what's going on. For those of you who are still with us, thank you so much. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Let's get into it. So first up, we got the primetime recast. We got the Sunday night game and the Monday night games that we need to talk about before we head into the following week. So let's hit those notes of the game so we can discuss what it is that we learned in week 15. I know, I know, I know. Okay, here's what we got going on. Go to the Giants, the Commanders game. And I know there's a big, you know, we got the big narrative going on that what happened at the end of that game, Terry McLaurin, Illegal formation, not lined up after a lot of controversy of him 
seemingly getting clear with the referee that he was in the right spot and he was okay and still getting flagged for it. Anyway, that's all great for another podcast. This is fancy football. So while that kind of stuff is definitely football-related, of course, you know, I have my own opinions on it. We talk about it off the air, maybe on social media a little bit. Or here on this show, none of that's really here or there when it comes to our fantasy football uh, knowledge of it all and what we actually need heading into next week. So let's start off on the Giants' side. They wind up winning this game 20-12, to either by hook or by crook, however you want to look at it. The, the most important thing here is that Saquon Barkley – got back on track. I guess he was definitely healthy this week as he was practicing in full for the majority of the week. Gets back up to having 18 carries, and most importantly, gets back to being involved in the passing game. So one of the reasons why Saquon has not had the same floor that we were used to him having for the first half of the season, especially over the past three or four weeks, his passing usage just had not been there. He gets eight targets in this game, leads the team in those targets, five receptions, 33 yards, good. That's what we really want to see Quan Barkley. Yes, it's fantastic, of course. They got 87 yards rushing and a touchdown on top of it and got back to being the RB1 that we need him to be. What you really need him to be is involved in the passing game. As long as that is the case, he gets back to his high floor to ceiling ratio. They got another nice matchup next week against the Minnesota Vikings. There's really no reason to think that he's not going to be able to put up a good Saquon Barkley performance in that game Again, outside of that, Daniel Jones, is, he has pedestrian passing limits. And we all know this. We know what the deal is with Daniel Jones. You're going to get some games where he's a fantasy superstar because he's able to run that game, and maybe he actually has a little bit of a better, efficient passing day, and he hits a, hits a couple bombs that are Darius Slayton, and all of a sudden you look up, and Daniel Jones had a good fantasy day, and he managed to make at least one wide receiver, a.k.a. at this point, Darius Slayton, fantasy relevant too. Or he's going to have games like this, where it's an ugly, muck-em-down, running-style running, running style game. He did run the ball 10 times in this matchup, but they get away playing defense and Saquon Barkley leading the way. I will say this, we might be talking about Daniel Jones as a streaming option. He doesn't make my waiver, he doesn't make my waiver saviors because he is 57% owned. I only talk about guys that are, on average, on the major platforms, less than 50% owned. So he doesn't quite make my cut as far as actually being on my waiver savior list. However, if he is available against the Minnesota Vikings with that kind of matchup, it does stand to reason this could be a game in which Daniel Jones is able to get some more you know, productivity going that way. But his limited capacity, it really limits guys like Darius Slayton, who maybe you're looking at as a wide receiver three to take a shot on. The only silver line I can offer you is that Slayton was number one targeted wide receiver. Barkley saw the number targeted pass catcher. But Slayton's still leading the way in that aspect of it with a much easier matchup on the way against Minnesota. On the Washington side, there's really nothing else to go over the Giants. On the Washington side, they it just definitely came out as like Brian Robinson leading the way. He does get the majority of the carries here. They wanted him to be the lead back. But when this game fell behind, what we would expect to happen happened in a negative game script. Antonio Gibson winds up leading the way, and he out-snaps Brian Robinson by quite a bit. In fact, the most he has in weeks. This is what you're dealing with the Washington Commanders. When you're dealing with this backfield, it's why they're both RB3s. They're both flex plays, and it's it goes based on game script. Now, this was expected to be a more neutral to positive game script for the Washington Commanders. Didn't work out that way. What happens? They fall behind. They turn to Antonio Gibson, who gets involved in the passing game and outworks Brian Robinson as a whole. As a result to it. Now, productivity-wise, Brian Robinson was still the guy production-wise. 
and he's been efficient now for the past three weeks as a runner. So now all of a sudden we're getting to the point where Antonio Gibson, who did have a fumble in this game too, by the way, definitely doesn't help in any capacity, still looking like he's got room to improve. So these both these guys basically will remain RB3s for me moving forward, but at least Brian Robinson's showing you, hey, he actually has the ability to break a few runs, so maybe he's not so volume dependent moving forward. We have to worry about game script becoming an issue with this team. Uh, the other note that I have for the commanders is the wide receiving group. John Dotson, for the first time this year, overtook Curtis Samuel in the snap count. Uh, not not just in the box score, which you'll see that, you know, at six targets, four catches, 105 yards, a touchdown, his best game as a rookie. But he surpassed Curtis Samuel in the snap count department on top of it by a wide margin. So he has taken over that job. It's now going to be Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson. The question, of course, is going to become Ron Rivera opening up the door for Carson Wentz to possibly return. It won't be this week, but the commanders were to lose this week. Hell, even if Taylor Heineke were to play a bad game against San Francisco, there's a chance we might see Carson Wentz in the second half of that game. In which case, that actually hurts Terry McLaurin based on the usage that we saw earlier. Now, I don't know if offensively, schematically, what they were doing earlier in the year, which was featuring Curtis Samuel a bunch, and that took away from Terry McLaurin, took away from Jahan Dotson's volume, I don't know if they automatically turned to that the second Carson Wentz hits the field. That might have been a matter of that's what they're trying to do then, and now they're trying to do this now with the rookie and having Terry McLaurin already locked under contract. That might have more to do with it than just Taylor Heineke as a starting quarterback. But there is some fluctuation going on here as far as what we could expect with the volume. That's all I really got for you, though, in this game. I mean, nothing really else changes as far as those matchups go for me for the large scale. We move on to the Rams and the Packers. And, uh, I mean, it was about as exciting of a Monday night game as you would expect between the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers at this point in the season. Packers take care of business which that in and of itself can have fantasy value down the road. Because since Seattle lost on Thursday, the Packers win this week against the Los Angeles Rams. Now all of a sudden, they have a puncher's chance, if they can win out, to make the playoffs. It's not totally out of the question. That means Aaron Rodgers continues to play. That means Aaron Jones continues to play. So big, big, you know, things that we need as fantasy football owners to have happen. So that was the good news there. The bad news, of course, if you're an A.J. Dillon owner, he picked up a concussion. Was great free today. Got two touchdowns before he got injured. That's the best part. So he might have still pulled off your Monday night miracle. But a guy who we expect to be a flex play and was in a 50-50 rotation with Aaron Jones. They were fully back to their one drive is Jones's drive, another drive is Dillon's drive, and they just go back and forth. Maybe Jones leans away. A little bit when they get the two-minute drill and third and longs, but Dylan's still getting quite a few looks himself, especially in the passing game. I mean, it wasn't like he was left out to dry. He had three targets and three catches and 35 yards to go with his 36 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. But now he had the question of he had a concussion, had to go back to the locker room, did not return. The pattern we've seen this year, those guys typically do not play the following week. So while A.J. Dillon owners, you might not have him as a flex play option, but Aaron Jones owners, there's a chance it could be all his work against the Miami Dolphins next week in a huge matchup. So take that for what you will. It depends on what side of that coin you fall on. Hopefully, of course, A.J. Dillon will be okay as a human standpoint 
you know, with concussion issues, hopefully doesn't linger for him. We'll have to watch this now throughout the week. We'll keep you up to date at Billy Up MDFF Show. Anything else outside of that? Well, guess what? We get to the wide receivers, and what I feared about Christian Watson happening came to pass. He only had six targets again in this game, and that's been a common mark for Christian Watson. But the difference was he didn't score. And I kept, I said this this week, and that's why I said to Chris, I wasn't very confident in Christian Watson. I had him ranked as a wide receiver 29 heading into the week. I was much lower than the ECR. You can't keep scoring two and three touchdowns a game on six targets. Just the math doesn't add up there. It can't continue to happen. And this week, Romeo Dobbs comes back healthy. He gets five targets. Randall Cobb gets a few targets here. Alan Lazard, he was the one who was completely left out. Only two targets, one catch for seven yards. I think at this point, we can just move on from Alan Lazard. Because not only is it a low-volume passing game, but Rodgers is looking for his rookies more now. It looked like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, with Lazard getting left out of the offense. That's what it looked like. The snap count, of course, he was out there all the time because he's still a good blocker, and it helps out with the running game. But that's not who Aaron Rodgers is looking to, to go with the, with the ball today. Maybe that changes a little bit, but the fact is this. With a low-volume passing attack as it is, Rodgers only throwing the ball 30 times, and that being about his average for the season, you don't have a lot of work because he's not overly targeting any particular wide receiver. He's spraying it out pretty evenly, not to mention the running backs get involved. Christian Watson led the way with six targets, and then he had Dobbs, and then tied with Dobbs with five targets was Aaron Jones, who you know is also going to be involved in the passing game in his own right more times than not. Winds up getting the receiving touchdown in this game at 90 yards on the ground, especially took over after A.J. Dillon got injured. So this is what this is what we're talking about here. So Christian Watson, is he a boomer bust wide receiver three? Is he somebody who can definitely take a shot? Like if I need a league winner or, a, you know, next week, I'm saying like, look, it looks like I'm going to be a massive underdog because I got you know a couple of injuries. You know, we found out today about the Jalen Hurts injury. Or, sorry, yesterday, you listen to this on Tuesday. So yesterday, on Monday, we found out with the Jalen Hurts injury. All of a sudden, he might not be available, which is going to be a, was a shocker to a lot of people because there wasn't any indication during the game that he had picked up an injury until we got reports later on that he wound up going for an X-ray and has a shoulder sprain. And now he might miss week 16 with the potential to be back week 17. We'll still have to see. I, look, I'm right there with you. I'm a Jalen Hurts owner, too. And, you know, I'm praying somehow he's able to go this week. But... The Eagles, frankly, are not in a position where they have to play him. The only reason, and just while we're on this, the only reason why I think they would play Jalen Hurts is because it's Dallas. I believe if they win this game against Dallas, they could lock up the number one seed potentially. So there is quite a bit at stake, but it's a Saturday game. And ultimately, even if they were to lose that game, they would still have a chance to lock up the number one seed within the last two games of the week. That's why I think Week 17 you circle that one because he can miss week 16. Jalen Hurts plays week 17. They make sure they win that game, and you don't have to play him week 18. You give him a week of rest or two weeks of rest, whatever you want to do heading into the playoffs, you lock up the number one seed. That's the position the Philadelphia Eagles are in. So I don't know if they'll push it unless his shoulder sprain really winds up being okay by the end of the week. Something we'll have to watch very intently there with Jalen Hurts. But all that to say to go back to my point of maybe you're in a position now where you're out a gunslinger. And now you have to take a home run shot somewhere else. Watson next week against Miami Dolphins. I mean, obviously we'll talk more about this during our look at look ahead Wednesday and our clairvoyant Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. 
but that's a guy you can take a hit on. But that's what he has to be in your lineup. This is not a guy you can trust week in, week out. You cannot look at him as a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. That's not what he is. He's a boomer bust wide receiver three. So treat him as such as you're going through your start set decisions heading into week 16. On the Rams side, this will be short and easy. Uh, Baker had no magic today. He was back to looking like Baker, 12 of 21. Absolutely sucked. Only 111 yards, which there's just no offense going on for the Rams. And Cam Akers continues to dominate the backfield, and enough so that he can still be considered an RB3. 65 yards on the ground was efficient, actually, 5.4 yards a carry. But he also tacked on three receptions for 35 yards. So the boost of that, with him getting involved a little bit in the passing game, he does offer a bit of a floor as a RB3 who are really hoping falls into the end zone at some point to up his fantasy value. But Kyron Williams is not becoming a thing within this offense. And when you have Baker Mayfield throwing the ball 21 times in a game in which they were trailing the entire day, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about what the fantasy expectations can be for the wide receivers, which is almost none. Tyler Higby had five targets, and that led the way in this game. You can't trust a pass catcher. The only guy I'm even entertaining is Cam Akers, and that's only if I absolutely have to. And they got another tough matchup next week against the Denver Broncos. So that does it for our primetime games. What I want to do now is take a quick break, come back on the other side. I want to talk about our heroes, my heroes and zeros, my right and wrong calls of the week. And then, of course, we'll get into the waiver saviors. So everybody stay tuned. The DMD's Fantasy Football Show will be back right after this. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for free shipping and 20% off. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, welcome back in to another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show Primetime Recap Heroes and Zeros and my waiver saviors heading into week 16. It's the second to last edition for the 2022 season. Oh, I'm going to miss you guys. It's, it's, it's going to be a long hiatus. When I come back, I'm going to be pissing vinegar, I'm telling you right now. It's sad. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a, a long season. It's been a weird season. 
but I enjoy every bit of it with you guys and trying to help you guys win championships. That's what it's all about. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I want to thank you guys for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Of course, staying up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review to really help us out. So we already went through our primetime recap. Let's go ahead and talk about our heroes and zeros of the week where I try to hold myself accountable with my right and wrong calls. Dan's heroes and zeros. All right, let's kick this thing off with with a zero first. Quarterback zeros. Uh, First and foremost, I should not have uh, downplayed Zach Wilson the way that I did. You knew the match against Detroit was good, and that was all about Mike White. So you knew the data was there for a quarterback to perform very well against Detroit. Well, can you blame me for not really trusting exactly what we could get out of a Zach Wilson? Whenever he's played, the volume has been putrid. Whenever he's played, he's been wildly inefficient. And frankly, when you put on the tape of that game, he really didn't play well. (laughs) He really didn't. But he made enough plays against a poor secondary that he winds up being a top 10 finish in fantasy football. That's fantasy football for you. Zach Wilson, who was benched, no one thought he was coming back, all of a sudden lights it up for a top 10 finish. Ugh. I was lower than ECR was on him, so I have to take the hit that I wasn't even entertaining the idea of streaming a Zach Wilson. So my bad for not seeing that one. Quarterback heroes. I'll tell you something I was right on, though. That was Geno Smith coming outside my top 12. I was lower than the ECR was on him heading into that game against San Francisco. Obviously, they had not been letting up much for quarterbacks to begin with anyway. But Geno Smith also has looked like he's got some chinks in the armor, especially when they don't have the running game working. And even when Kenneth Walker was healthy that game, I knew going into it, just because he's back and healthy doesn't mean they're going to have a running game. And I've seen what I need to see out of Geno Smith. When he doesn't have play action available, when he doesn't have that running game to bounce off of, he starts to become a little bit more efficient. Now add on the San Francisco defense on top of it, and you're left with, you know, a fantasy performance that you'd rather not have in your starting lineups. I think Gino bounces back. I think they got Kansas City next week, so he'll be fine there. But I would be all about, I'd be all about, you know, avoiding quarterbacks in San Francisco as much as humanly possible. We did get that one right at least. Quarterback zeros. So I am terribly sorry that I thought for even a split second, Tyler Huntley could give you a low-end QB1, high-end QB2 performance. My bad. So I know that probably cost some people. Oh, man, it was terrible. First of all, that game in general, especially when you squeeze it between, you had the Colts in Minnesota and the historic comeback, and then you had a great game that went to overtime in Buffalo between the Bills and the Dolphins. Sandwiched in between that was this 13-3 god-awful performance between two teams that looked like they didn't belong. It was terrible. I thought Huntley would at least run enough. He didn't because J.K. Dobbins was so good. So my bad for thinking Tyler Huntley could actually give you a safe floor in fantasy performances. I messed that one up terribly. Quarterback heroes. I never wavered on Justin Fields. One of the toughest matchups you could have against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm like, who cares? He had no Chase Claypool. Who cares? 
course, he still has no Darnell Mooney. Who cares? Justin Fields is all about what he can give you with his legs. And it doesn't matter how good the defense is. It is hard to stop a rushing quarterback with the skill set of a Justin Fields when, on top of it, he's locked into what his game is right now. Justin Fields, while he's not laying it up as a passer, he's locked in to what it is that he wants to do out in the field. And when you have a rushing quarterback who's locked into where what where he wants to go and what he wants to do and when to do it, you get great fantasy production. I had him ranked at QB7. That's exactly where he finished this week. Love Justin Fields and was right on that one at least. Running back zeros. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Okay, well, thought Dante Foreman would be a top 20 play. Whoops. 10 carries, 9 yards. Gets out-snapped by a decent margin, by the way, to Chuba Hubbard. Now, part of that was due to game script. The other part of that was Dante Foreman was not good. Now, whether he's just banged up from the injury still, maybe that's part of a factor, although he did have a decent game against Seattle the week before. But Dante Foreman now, he might fall into that more, we have to have the conversation at the high-end RB3 mark, flex conversation, because Chuba Hubbard, whether no matter what game script it is over the past few weeks, has been more involved. This has become, at the very least, a two-man committee. It's not a high-scoring offense to begin with, so unless they have a plus matchup. Now, they do have Detroit next week, so take that for what you will. Although, Detroit, they've been better against running backs as of late. And it could favor a running back like a Chuba Hubbard rather than a running back like a Dante Foreman. We're going to have to have the conversation now about are you a flex player in your RB2? And it could make a world of difference depending upon what your options are. But Dante Foreman for this past week, ugh, not a good call by me. Running back heroes. I did nail Travis Etienne at RB18, and that's exactly what he came in at. How about them apples? Kept saying it all week long. I know he's been on the down and out. I know he's, he was on he was on a list of guys who have big responsibilities as far as why you're in the playoffs in the first place, but have been cold going into the playoffs. And when you're in these one week or done situations, it can make you a little nutty when it comes to start sit decisions. I get that. I understand that. But on the flip side. He's getting all the volume. Now, he's not getting all the volume in the pass attack, which we would like to see more of, and still befuddles my mind because that's his whole player profile set. But he's still getting all the work. He's still getting all the snaps. doesn't matter if he fumbles. Jermichael Hasey's not going to take away work from Travis Etienne with the way this sets up. You have running backs with the potential to 18, 19, 20-plus opportunities in a game. You have to play them. You have to ride it out. What did I say last week? 
don't get nutty in these one week or die situations when you start set. While yes, we talk about the process and the process long term is supposed to set you on the right path. If you have the right process, but playing the higher probability more times not. Can that mean sometimes in a fluky one-week situation it's not the right play? Absolutely. It happens every single week. But over the long term, you'll make more good decisions than bad. The process should not change just because you are in a one-week playoff all of a sudden now. Because then that's when you start you start making start decisions, start decisions that throw you completely out of the playoffs altogether. A lot of choices you never would have made during the regular season costing you wins in the postseason when we want to get to the championship. Don't make yourself nutty. Stick with the opportunity, especially the running backs. That's why Travis Etienne, I was hired in ECR, had him at RB18, that's exactly where he finished there. Running back zeros. I don't know if this is a Zach Wilson thing. We're going to have to get to the bottom of this before we get to our preview shows. And the Jets do play... I'm sorry, no, not the Jets. Just play, yeah, no, just do play Thursday night. So we'll have to get to the bottom of it during the lookout for Wednesday, look ahead Wednesday, uh, pretty quickly. With Zonovan Knight, who I had as a top 24 running back heading into the week, didn't produce, number one, did have the majority of the carries, so it wasn't like we were totally off on the opportunities, but... Zach Wilson, of course, having the better game than we were expecting. The running game not being as involved as we were expecting. Maybe that's still going to Detroit being a better run defense than we have to give it credit for. The other aspect of this, though, is that Michael Carter played three more snaps in the zone of the night. Something that had not been the case over the past few weeks. Now, last week, I did question, is it because Michael Carter is coming off the injury that we saw him be second fiddle to zone of the night in both not just the rushing, which that I expect. Zonovan Knight's going to be the first, second down goal line back. I expect him to lead away in carries. But I expect Michael Carter to lead away in passing production. It didn't happen the week before. So now you had the question, is Zonovan Knight just taking over the backfield? Maybe it's game script dependent. Maybe it's because Michael Carter was a week removed from his injury. Maybe it's a mixture of all those things. But the fact is, in a negative game script... Michael Carter played more snaps than Zonovan Knight. Didn't get more touches, but he ran infinitely more routes. So the one thing that I am confident in taking into that Thursday night game against Jacksonville is that Michael Carter is back to being the third down pass catching two-minute drill back. I think that we could take with confidence moving into next week. But that made me completely wrong this past week of thinking Zonovan Knight could be trusted as an RB2. Running back heroes. Yeah, Najee Harris, for pretty much the same reasons why Travis Etienne became one of my heroes this week, Najee Harris was was a hero too. The volume was there. And actually, Jalen Warren got mixed in a little bit more than I was expecting as well, but it did not matter because Harris scored again. I had him ranked as a high-end RB2. It was higher than the ECR. He finished just as that. Najee Harris has been pretty consistent over the past month now, believe it or not, no matter who the quarterback's been. And then they got a nice matchup next week against the Raiders. So we'll continue to be able to play Najee Harris with confidence yet again, which is nice. It's nice when players go the other way, when you know we had them down and counted out, and all of a sudden, when we need them the most, we can pivot back to them. They've been on the hot streak. Harris has been one of those guys. Wide receiver zeros. Oh! 
So I wasn't sure about this one heading into the week, but I did rank Brandon Ayuk as top 24. Actually, I have him as a top 20 wide receiver heading into the week. So confidently placing him as a wide receiver too. Now, the thought process is you might need to make plays against Seattle. It could be two pretty competitive teams against each other. And it was that by the end of the game. No Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, does he have to get featured as the main pass catcher? Well, no, because they went with a guy called George Kittle and a taking advantage of a team that cannot cover the tight end position, especially when they don't bother to. <laughs> like that, that second touchdown, I was like, Wait, there's no linebacker, there's no safety, there's no one within the vicinity of George Kittle. That was insane. But that's what wound up happening there. And now we have to start to question, okay, two games in a row, Brandon Ayuk has only had three targets with Brock Purdy as the starting quarterback. Yes, Purdy was banged up in this game. So it limited what is already a limited arm range to begin with. I don't know if he's suddenly going to be 100% next week. So it just kind of confirmed some concerns that I had when Brock Purdy first took over this job, which is he's not a guy who's going to throw out the hashes very often. That kills Ayuk. So I think there's really no way I'm going to have Ayuk ranked any higher than a wide receiver three. And it might be more of a low end towards a wide receiver four for your second week of the playoffs next week. Not that it's a great match against the Raiders is why I think you'll probably have to finish inside my top 36 ultimately, but not a guy that you necessarily want to trust because I don't know if the opportunities are going to be there with the way this offense is operating at the moment. I, and I, excuse me, I'm sorry. It's not the Raiders next week. It's They play the Raiders week 17. It's Commanders next week. But the, the analysis stays the same. The problem is Brock Purdy, not the opponent. So I was, I was definitely wrong on Brandon Ayuk. Wide receiver heroes. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, I'm just going to rank him inside the top 24 from now on. It, it's it's not a question anymore. I, we're still trying to get Miko Hartman back and Darius Tony back, and I understand all that. And if they come back into the mix, maybe things get rotated out a little bit more. I, I don't know. At this point, Juju, while he's not terrific, he's not a breakaway guy, he's not explosive, I think he's earned the Mahomes' trust as a safety blanket within the role that he has. He's right there with Travis Kelsey with targets neck and neck. Getting eight receptions, feeling like almost every single week now, he's back and healthy. Had him ranked as a top, as a 21, wide receiver 21 a week. Finishes right in that area. Higher than the UCR. You, you can have confidence playing Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, by the way, Seattle's up next. They suck against slot receivers. So we'll have to see about that one. Wide receiver zeros. I don't know if this one was totally my fault because he didn't get injured in the game, but the game was almost over when it happened. So Tyler Lockett, who I had ranked inside my top 10, because San Francisco has been so bad against slot receivers, really bad against receivers in general, but really terrible against slot receivers. And Lockett, interchangeable with Marquise Goodwin a lot. So I had confidence that Lockett could see a big game, and he did see the volume, but because Geno Smith never had time to throw the ball, everything was short, intermediate. And then, of course, he breaks his finger, but that didn't happen until later in the game. He was already not going to have the performance that we needed him to have, so I did miss out on Tyler Lockett. That was my bad. I had too much faith in Geno Smith being able to get the ball out to his wide receivers 
consistently enough down the field. Wide receiver heroes. Yeah, it's not the prettiest of stat lines, but Michael Pittman came in right where I had him ranked at wide receiver 15. I mean, that's what happens if you got 10 receptions. So I just, I nailed that one. Not a lot of yards. Did get a touchdown, but he gets the 10, or did get a touchdown, excuse me. He gets the 10 receptions, and that pretty much nails his ranking for me. Wasn't the prettiest way to do it. All pretty much happened in the first half, but hey, we nailed where Michael Pittman belongs, which is, he was a wide receiver too. It's not pretty, but with Matt Ryan, Matt, Michael Pittman is at least back to looking at, you know, double-digit targets. Let's move to our tight ends real quick. Tight end zeros. So, uh, I wasn't big on Cole Komet, but I did rank him. I wound up ranking him just inside my top 12 by the time we got to Sunday. Reason being, like, without Chase Claypool, like, Fields is going to have to throw the ball to somebody at some point, right? Well, that somebody really wound up kind of being more like David Montgomery. And while the matchup wasn't great for Cole Komet, you figured he was going to be the number one option. Mm. Didn't work out that way. And Komet wound up being a complete and utter dud for me there. So my bad on Cole Komet for this past week. Tight end heroes. Darren Waller. I was higher than the ECR on Darren Waller. I didn't have him stop my top 10, 12, but I did have him right there at tight end 13. I'm like, look, if he plays, he's Darren Waller. We know the talent. We know the, 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 the matchup, you know, the mismatch that he is. There's a word I'm looking for. Starting over myself. It hasn't always worked out this season. And you were a little bit worried about, okay, his first game back, what does that mean? But look at the Patriots. What did the Patriots try to do? They tried to take away the number one target. They haven't always been successful in doing that this season, but they were this past week with Devontae Adams. Darrell Waller, able to benefit from that, gets a touchdown, is the high end tight end suit that I ranked him to be. And now we can pretty much say, hey, you know what? You belong in the same tier. If nothing else, you belong in the same tier with that group of tight ends 8 through 12 as a low-end tight end one heading into next week. That's where we're at with Darrell Waller. And I nailed that one at least. Tight end zeros. He wasn't just a zero for me in the rankings. He put up a goose egg altogether. Now, we know Pat Frymouth was not the healthiest going into this week. I was not ready for him to get to the point where he's losing out the snap battle to Zach Gentry and to not even get a single target. The one of the reasons why I still had confidence in him as a top eight tight end, outside of tight end options in general being lousy, when Mr. Trubisky plays, normally speaking, Pat Frymuth was one of his favorite guys to go to outside of Deontay Johnson. He didn't even look for him this game. Not a single target. Now, I think moving forward, you know, if you manage to survive a goose egg in your line with Pat Frymuth, first of all, hats off to you. But the, the second off is that it doesn't really change anything, unfortunately. He's still going to be a top eight tight end next week, but what we do have to watch is the practice report. Does he get a full practice session in this week? Because if he doesn't, that will raise questions. And we might have to look at other options in a serious way for our starts and decisions. That does it, though, for our heroes. Oh, I'm sorry. I had one more hero. Hold on. Tight end heroes. Yeah, let's not take away the guys I can give myself credit for. George Kittle. 
everyone losing faith that he could be a top five tight end this past week. I was hiring the ECR against the Seattle Seahawks. It's Seattle. I want to play even crappy tight ends against Seattle, let alone great ones. So George Kittle coming through. It has to be a plus matchup. If anything's been proven, the only two games that George Kittle's been good in the past six weeks, Arizona and Seattle, like everybody other, like every other tight end out there. So I don't know if I have an uber amount of confidence. The one thing that gives me a little bit more confidence in him next week, even if he doesn't have the you know uber great matchup, is the fact that it looked like, as far as the middle of the field goes, which is where I expect Brock Purdy to throw the ball, outside of Christian McCaffrey, the play design could be in favor of George Kittle. So maybe we're looking at a more stable floor of targets for Kittle, as long as Devo Samuel continues to miss. That does it for our heroes and zeros. So now we can go ahead and get into our waiver saviors and start talking about week 16, start talking about the second round of the playoffs. Waiver saviors. So like I, like I said the past couple of weeks, it's the playoffs. I'm not going to waste your guys' time with nonsense names off the waiver wire that hypothetically under the right circumstances could be this or that. No, we're looking at guys that I know that certain teams are going to be very uh, specific opportunities, specific situations, I should say, that you might need streaming options. And these are the guys I think have the best chance to give you something. So, in the quarterback position, I got three names for you. I got Jared Goff. He's 47% owned. So, about the 50-50 mark. So, he may be available. He may not be. They're playing the Carolina Panthers next week. Now, it is on the road. So, that it always makes me a little uneasy with Jared Goff on the road. But, he had a decent performance, at least. Not a great fantasy performance, but a decent performance against the New York Jets. A much better defense on the road this past week. It gives you some hope. It gives you some hope that he could have a decent game again this week. One of the very few streaming quarterback options out there. So that's one guy. He would not be my number one pickup, though. The next guy is Brock Purdy, who's had a very safe floor since coming in for Jimmy Garoppolo. And if he is a little bit healthier, maybe he's a little bit sharper, doesn't leave a few plays on the field like he did that Thursday night game against Seattle. And you're looking at a guy who can get you 16 to 20 points at the quarterback position. People who have Jalen Hurts. He got you. He had a Hurts had a huge fantasy performance. So it's a very real scenario. A lot of teams out there are going to be going on to the next round, but potentially not have a guy like Jalen Hurts this week. You're looking at these types of options, safe floor options. Of course, though, in my number one pickup of the week of the guys who are on average less than 50% owned would be Gardner Minshew, who's available everywhere especially in redraft leagues. He's got great weapons. We've seen Gardner Minshew be good in the past. Yes, it's a match against Dallas's defense in Dallas, but Dallas's defense is very banged up. They already ruled out Vander Esch. We still know they don't have Hankins. The only thing I'd be a little bit concerned about would be, do the Eagles get a little bit more run-heavy? Maybe they lean on Miles Sanders a little bit more in this game. But at nothing else, it will be a competitive back-and-forth game. I think there's no doubt about that. And he has the weapons to let them take care of him. Plus, you know what? Gardner Minshew, his skill set, believe it or not, does kind of fit the Nick Serini scheme pretty well. I'm not expecting a gaudy performance, but a safe floor with those weapons in a tough NFC East game, it could mean a decent fantasy day. 
and he actually would be my number one pickup of the week of that group. Of the running backs, Tyler Algier, especially after the big performance he just had, he's only 33% owned. You have to look at him as a potential RB3. Now, they don't have the greatest of matchups next week against the Baltimore Ravens, and that, that of course, matters. And he still very much is in a committee split with Cordell Patterson. He had 17 carries to Patterson's 14. But as the season wears on, we talked about this. One of the things I think the Falcons may be doing is saying, you know what? We're out of it. We're done. Well, let's play the young guys across the board. Let's figure out what we're going into next year with and what we still need as far as our young talent is concerned. It may open the door for Talent Algier to continue to lead the way or maybe get even more work as this thing wears on. And being that Desmond Ritter showed you that he is not an upgrade over to what we saw over with Marcus Mariota, we still can't expect Patterson to get that involved in the passing game. This is very much a touchdown or a, a running back by committee that might be leaning younger over these last few weeks to see what they have. So Tyler Algier, only 33% owned. Gus Edwards. Now, this is the ultimate floor floor pose. He's always going to be second filled J.K. Dobbins. He really doesn't have a ceiling unless he actually scores a touchdown. But the Dobbins-Edwards train, that committee, that, that freight train back there in the backfield, that's back. They look like that tandem looks like it's back and ready to rock and roll. So that's one thing I'm looking out for, RB3 potential possibility to kind of plug your lineup. I did put the Colts running backs back here. So you have Zach Moss, you have Deion Jackson. This is only if you have no other options. You had Jonathan Taylor and even emerged the situation. Deion Jackson fumbling is what led to Zach Moss getting all the work. Zach Moss was not very good because he's not a very good player. So I do wonder heading into next week, do they go back to Deion Jackson? But I think regardless, you're looking at probably something in the vicinity of a 50-50 split between these two. And maybe maybe they go hot hand. Figure out who that hot hand is going to be, who knows. So they're on there only if you have no other options to be able to turn to, but there aren't many. At the wide receiver position, I only have two, and I don't even know if this first one's going to play, Traylon Burks. Still waiting for, he's still got a practice. He's still in concussion protocol, and he still wasn't even limited last week. So I have no idea, but here's what I do know. He's only 46% owned, and I do know that if he comes back and practices in full this week and gets cleared from concussion protocol, he's automatically being back to the number one wide receiver for this team against Houston, Texas. And the team in which Ryan Tannehill himself has actually been playing a little bit better from an NFL standpoint over the past few weeks than we saw earlier in the season. They're going to need Traylon Burks. He will assume the number one role the second he's back. Will that be this week? I don't know. But if he's available and he's back, he will be a wide receiver three at least for me. The other guy's Darius Slayton. So I know it wasn't gaudy on the stat line this past week, but I can't stress this enough. They're playing Minnesota. It's indoors. And it's Minnesota. They're terrible. Daniel Jones has hit Darius Slayton down the field a few times, especially in these plus matchups. This is going to be a great little rank Darius Slayton as a wide receiver three, probably a top 30 play, uh, the boomer bust option in your flex position. And liking the matchup enough to have the confidence to be able to do so. Last but not least is the tight end position, which is always a nightmare, but this is what we got for you. I got two Saint guys for you. 
Taysom Hill, who got a lot more work again. Always seems to get a decent amount of work when Mark Ingram is no longer part of the offense. So you always have his little Jekyll and Hyde, if you've got to hit a home run type of guy to go with there. But you also have Juwan Johnson. He just continues to find ways to score touchdowns. I don't love the usage. He has a very low floor if he doesn't find the end zone. So it's pretty much every other tight end. But the other guy who I'm probably a little bit more excited about is Chigozim Okonkwo. Okonkwo. I love saying his first name. Though. So we'll just stick with Chigozim. We'll stick with his first name. Now, I like him a lot more if we know that Traylon Burks is not going to be able to play this week. We'll like him a lot more in that situation. If Burks does play, I think that takes away specifically from Chico Zim, who operates in that similar yards after catch, middle of the field passing role. But he's been consistently involved the last three weeks. So if Burks is out, Chico Zim might be inside of our top 12 heading into this week. So that's a name to keep in mind, too. That does it for the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're going to be back tomorrow for the Look Ahead Wednesday. We'll be back Thursday for the Clairvoyant Thursday, our two preview shows heading into Christmas week. Well, remember, the majority of the games are going to be on Saturday. In fact, Red Zone is going to be playing on Saturday. That's how you know the majority of the games are on Saturday. There's only going to be three games on Sunday. We first have a Monday night game. We have a Thursday night game. Just keep that in mind this week when you're having to make some of these roster decisions. You might have to be forced into making decisions earlier than you want to. This is how all these games spread out. So just keep that in mind. We'll help you out, of course, when you tune back in on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you have not done so. And you stay up to date with us on the go when you download the MD's Fantasy Football Show on your podcast app. Give us a follow on social media at the MDFF Show. We'll be very active throughout the week. I'm hoping to have my rankings up tomorrow morning on BellyFantasySports.com to help you with those start set decisions. Guys, thank you so much. Have a safe night. We'll see you again tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 